Hello, fellow lovers of all things green. I'm Mary Stone, and welcome to Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries. It's not only about gardens, it's about nature's inspirations, about grasping the glories of the world around us, gathering what we learn from Mother Nature, and carrying these lessons into our garden of life. So let's jump in in the spirit of learning from each other. We have lots to talk about. Hello, fellow listeners. It's Mary Stone speaking to you from the screen porch with a light snow falling down. I actually took a road walk. I was like a big kid out there. I totally turn into a kid when it comes to snow. And um, of course, I couldn't help but think of the times when I would be walking Miss Ellie. And I was always concerned about the salt on the road. So when I left, it had just started and um, there was no salt on the road. And just as I was contemplating that, the salt truck came by. <laughs> so it made me think of my dear girl. And um, that's certainly what happens during the holidays. Isn't it true? We think about those that uh, aren't with us anymore. And of course, years gone by. But we have things to look forward to in years ahead. And more than that, in the presence of this year. Which brings me to my Sunday. And I, I want to share this, not because I want to necessarily share some of my grief process, but more just, um, I think it's something we share in common. And so I spent Sunday after doing some work things, like posting my column on the blog site, GardenDilemmas.com. I um, went about some holiday decorating, Christmas decorating here, and um, I got myself into a huge, huge sadness and it was one of these things that I just had to shake. And um, I don't know if had is the right thing. I didn't have to shake it. I wanted to because it was just so heavy. And um, I didn't even get to the Christmas tree part because I thought, well, you know what? Maybe this year we won't do the traditional tree. Just as when my brother Bill passed away, I ended up finding a weeping hemlock, which I planted in honor of him, and I cherish it. I put a big red ball on it. And actually, I have a photo of Ellie sitting by that weeping hemlock with the red ball on it, and she has a face on because it's snowing. And um, I made her sit there to do a little portrait shot. And a dear client of mine actually painted that image for me. So I have many, many cherished memories, and I hope you do too. And I think we should focus on that and um, focus on the reason for the season, which I also want to share. I looked back in time. I should say I listened back in time. I had started recording for this podcast way back in 2016, I think. And um, as I was just looking back on the recordings, I happily have some sound bites of Ellie, and I am so glad I have them. Hello, Miss Ellie. Hello, hello. <laughs> there she is. There she is. Oh, ho, 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 ho. no jumping, no jumping. No jumping, Miss Ellie. Okay, I know. We're not normally out here this time of year. <laughs> you sit down and be good. She thinks I have food, I think. I don't have food. You watch your manners. Boy, that was four years ago, and uh, yet it just seems like yesterday. Interesting how that is. Anyway, the column I'm going to share with you today is titled, History and Legend of Poinsettias, and it starts like this. 
poinsettias. By the way, poinsettias or poinsettas, tomato, tomato. It's going to be pronounced both ways. So I'm going to pronounce it the way I always do, which is poinsettas. Just like I always say clematis, which is technically wrong, although I've heard it both ways. It could be clematis. Poinsettias are one of the most popular plants to decorate our homes for Christmas. There's a wonderful history of them I'd like to share. Poinsettias are native to Central America and were used by Aztecs as a dye and the white sap to treat fevers. It was Joel Poinsett who brought them to this country during his tenure as the first U.S. ambassador to Mexico. And that was, by the way, 1825 through 1829. Poinsett admired the bright red color and brought plants back from southern Mexico to propagate them in his South Carolina hothouse. John Bartram of Philadelphia received a plant and then gave it to Robert Boist, a Pennsylvania nurseryman, said to be the first to sell the plant under its botanical name, Euphorbia pulcherima. It wasn't until 1836 when it became known by its common name of poinsettia, obviously named after him. I'll admit, poinsettias cause me a bit of stress. I feel responsible for keeping them going in hopes of getting them to reflower the following year, which takes some doing. Did you know the red parts are not flowers? They are the modified leaves called bracts. It's the insignificant yellow bud-like thingies in the center of the bracts that are the flowers. For the bracts to change color, they require 12 hours of darkness for at least five consecutive days. Once poinsettias finish their photoperiodic process, they then need lots of light to turn their fullest color. I actually, this is a little bit of a side note, I took plant science as part of the curriculum to become a landscape designer, and one of the activities was to propagate a whole fleeting bunch of poinsettias, all kinds of varieties, and it was very exciting to see the process unfold and and really amazing to see the shift in the colors, but it is not easy, certainly. Invariably, I'm given hand-me-down poinsettias, and this is usually after Christmas, which end up on my fireplace well into February. As the leaves begin to dry and drop, guilt sets in. I remove the withered leaves and turn the plant for optimum point of view until the uglies take over. Then comes a stay in the garage until they are far too gone to resurrect. Poor things. There's a wonderful legend of poinsettias. I just love legends when it comes to things, as you probably have figured out if you've listened to other episodes, including the weather folklore one. That was in episode seven, by the way. If you haven't tuned in, please do. The legend of poinsettias starts like this. As the legend goes, Pepita, a poor Mexican girl, was filled with sadness, having no gift for baby Jesus during Christmas Eve services. Her cousin Pedro assured her that even the most humble gift given with love will be acceptable in his eyes. Pepita then gathered a bouquet of weeds. As she reflected on Pedro's words, her spirits lifted. She knelt to present her modest gift before the nativity scene and suddenly the weeds burst into blooms of brilliant red. All that witnessed the transformation saw a Christmas miracle right before their eyes. From that day on, they became known as Flores de Noche Buena, the flowers of the holy night. The lesson, no matter the humbleness of the gift you share, if given in the spirit of love, it is the greatest gift of all. Christmas blessings to all. Garden Dilemmas. AskMaryStone.com 
And I realize we all don't celebrate Christmas. Some celebrate Hanukkah and other different festivities. And so one of the things I want to share is that Christmas, to me, is a season and a holiday of celebrating love. And so that's universal, has nothing to do with religion, right? And so we can call it Merry Gift of Love. There you go. Stay tuned for part two, where we're going to talk about some splendid poinsettia varieties and my funny little visit at the grocery store. Hope I piqued your interest. So I'm back on the screen porch. It's the day after that light dusting of snow, and I sure had fun, as I said, on the road walk. And even in the evening, I went outside and enjoyed my Christmas lights and took some photographs of my reflection in the Christmas ball that's on the umbrella pine that I so enjoy to the right of my garage. Anyway, let us share the column about poinsettia varieties. And it starts like this. Hello, fellow readers. The other day, while shopping for groceries, I stumbled upon an array of poinsettia varieties arranged at the floral department entrance. Hopefully not annoying any other shoppers, I snagged a bunch of photos to capture their beauty. Of course, there were the traditional red and white ones. Intermingled within were cream-colored poinsettias and one mottled pink with what looked like red paint spatters. You know, how they taught you in art class as a kid using a toothbrush? Then there were salmon-colored ones that stood out from the norm. I snooped through the foliage looking for identification of the unusual varieties to no avail. And so, photos in hand, I searched the internet to find out who's who. Native to Mexico, it's hard to imagine there are now over a hundred types of poinsettias that decorate our world. Mottled, marbleized, and solids, all propagated to be that way. Other than the cream-colored ones, painted with blue or purple splashes to trick us. Though there's one with solid purpley bracts called plum pudding, which is quite lovely, which is not painted. Of course, there are sparkly ones as an added glam that makes the plant look somewhat artificial. So as you could probably tell, not one of my favorites. Miles will get fake ones. The rabbit hole of investigative Googling narrowed the beauties down to a few likely varieties. The only for sure identification was the winter rose early red with puckered up bracts. I'd never seen that, by the way, and as I read about it, it's very popular. The dark green leaves curl under as well, making the plant look very compact. Maybe because I'm not a rose person, they're too fussy. I find the rose look-alike not so pretty, though I'm intrigued by its uniqueness. The solid white poinsettia with dark green leaves is likely white star or polar bear. Though I read White Star's bracts resemble doves the way they flare out. And so, I'm going to tag the pure white one, Polar Bear. Besides, the name is cuter. As you would expect, I have photos on the Garden Dilemmas website, so please take a look at those. The photos that I took fervently around the grocery. I wish you saw the scene because I really was kind of silly. I had to move my cart as people were looking at me like, what is she doing? And and I didn't bring any of them home, as you may have guessed, because of that poinsettia stress. <laughs> white Wonder is possibly the creamy white one. The modified leaves are so large you barely can see the dark green leaves. Some of the bracts have green veins or stripes of mottled green. Then there was the pinkish, almost salmon-colored one, most likely Cinnamon Star. I adore how the younger leaves are darker in hue. Christmas Glory Pink, similar in color, has red veins, and some leaves are totally red. 
The best of show and unusualness of the bunch, with cherry red paint spatterings on a pinkish creamy background, is premium Picasso. So there you go, an artist. <laughs> the newer bracks sport more red paint, and the outer ones have only a few splatters. Still, there's something about the tradition of one of the most commonly sold varieties, prestige red. Speaking of tradition, I recall the first time seeing poinsettias growing outside in Florida while walking the neighborhood with my folks who lived in New Smyrna Beach. Poinsettias were as tall as the single-story houses. In the 30 years they lived there, I only missed one Christmas, but made it down the day after. How I miss the traditions. Christmas indeed brings memory of times gone by, and it's hard sometimes to celebrate the glory of the season when those we love are no longer around us. But we all can be home for Christmas, if only in our dreams. Garden Dilemmas? AskMaryStone.com there is a bad reputation about poinsettias that I want to address because so many people think they're violently toxic, and that is not true. And the history of that is fascinating because apparently there was some publication of that many years ago that kind of stuck. But they are not highly toxic, despite their bad reputation. True, the white sap, which is the latex in the circulation system, may irritate sensitive folks' skin, or cause digestive issues if eaten. But why would you eat them, you know? Some pets or children may not know better, though they're not very tasty. The American Association of Poison Control Centers reports no fatalities in children, and most often, poinsettia eaters don't require medical treatment. The same is true for cats and dogs, per the Pet Poison Helpline. So there you go. It doesn't deserve fear. <laughs> so enjoy your poinsettias. Try not to have poinsettia stress. Sometimes you just have to let things go and just cherish the time you have them. Wishing you a glorious season of love, no matter when you're listening to this. Merry Christmas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you share it with your friends who you think will enjoy it as well. And I appreciate you subscribing to our podcast and it's been so fun to watch our community grow thanks for being part of it i would love to hear from you about other ideas for episodes you can reach me on gardendilemmas.com thanks so much you can follow garden dilemmas on facebook or online at gardendilemmas.com and on instagram at hashtag mary elaine stone garden dilemmas delights and discoveries is produced by alex bartling Thanks for coming by. I look forward to chatting again from my screen porch. And always remember to embrace the unexpected in this garden of life. Have a great day.